Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Afternoon Tune. I am your host, Josh, and with me are my two co-hosts. It's your boy, Chase. And it's your boy, Nick. And we got a good show, nice packed show for people today. We're going to discuss the news, going to discuss the two trailers. Um, yeah, I mean, you heard everybody else discuss the Loki trailer, the Space Jam 2 trailer probably, but fuck it, you're going to listen to us discuss it. Yeah. You, know, you never heard us talk about it. Yeah, we're you know, official. we're the most yeah, we're official. We're going to give a, give our thoughts on it. Um, also discuss, of course, the unfortunate passing of DMX, rest in power to DMX. We're going to pay a little bit of tribute to him and you know, what we loved about him, what we're going to miss from him. Um, then we got some good movie reviews. going to discuss Thunder Force starring Melissa McCarthy and Pavey Spencer, Concrete Cowboy starring Idris Elba and Caleb McLaughlin. Um, and we're also going to, of course, give our weekly reviews of Invincible and Falcon and the Winter Soldier. Um, how are you two doing? Doing all right. Uh, nice. Can't complain, you know. Uh, it, it's it really sucks uh, the passing of DMX because um, mm. he was such a great like care like just great person overall. Um, yeah. But you know, other than that, I'm doing all right. I can't complain. How about you, Nick? Uh, neither can I. Pretty sure my girl's pissed at me because I may or may not have accidentally clicked at her like I do my dog. <laughs> clicked at her you know, you know like dog like, habits like like we're on the train and uh she's mm. like on her phone not paying attention and i see hey babe our, our stop's coming up and i was <laughs> i spent like three hours walking my dog so it was like habit oh you're gonna be sleeping in the dog house if you're not <laughs> if you're not careful oh, wow. yeah oh, wow <laughs> yeah it sounds like you're screwed i don't know <laughs> oh yeah yeah um, oh yeah, I'm actually recording this in uh, in the alley behind uh, behind uh, her apartment. She kicked me out. Ah <laughs> uh, man, jeez. Uh, but yeah, you doing um, all right, Josh? Uh, you know, yeah, doing doing pretty good. Um, you know, glad I can make the show schedule change. Mm-hmm. So you know, I was able to you know bless the podcast. You know, good with my with my presence here. You know, and, and not miss out the week. Uh, yeah, there's and- there's an elephant. There's an element of professionalism when you're running it versus me. No, no, I would say, you know, Nick is great at running. I've seen him when, you know, he does it and, you know, he, you know, stepped up and, you know, been here when I haven't been able to, to be here. And Nick always does a great job. Um, you know, he was rocking that, that Kango hat when I when I saw him. I don't know what happened to it. You know what uh, I mean? I mean, he's, he's touched I his hair at least 86 it. times since we started, so I don't know. <laughs> Hey, I'm just trying to jump. I'm just trying to jumpstart the afternoon tune drinking game. It's like every (laughs) time I touch my hair or my glasses, take a shot. You know, if nah, we can't make that a drinking game because motherfuckers (laughs) people will die. (laughs) 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 You know, we can't. We can't. Every episode, we can't be responsible for that. We can't. We can't. Yeah, that's how you lose your your fan base. We just gotta put a (laughs) hey. We just gotta put a disclaimer in the in the like uh, description, and we're good. Yeah, yeah, true, true, true. After, after about ten hair touches, you have permission to stop. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you can't. It's habit. It's habit. You can't. I, I yeah, bet you. Of, get, I mean, yeah. he's itching habit. to I mean, do it right now. I mean, to be fair, I kind of do it too sometimes. I'm not gonna hold yeah. you. I don't know if it's because I'm looking at you do it, but, <laughs> <laughs> but you know. Oh uh, yeah. It but uh, yeah, the, I mean, the passing of DMX, um, mm. that's, you know, rough stuff. I mean, only 50 years old. Yeah. Uh, people were just basically kind of 
counting it down the days when they were going to officially announce it because you know he OD'd and you know he had you know lost brain activity and then you know then eventually you know he's on life support so it's kind of the moment where it's kind of just going to be officially announced and then people kind of reported it too early you know you know there was like people who just kind of like his manager that said it or his manager or lawyer i think had said he was being pulled off life support so there was a lot of that going around and yeah. misinformation when it comes to a lot of celebrities when they're in that type of situation but it was officially announced uh yesterday correct mm-hmm. right um yeah that he that he passed away and the man i mean left a great legacy um two i think i would people say classic albums that he came out with um obviously many many hits uh you know party up in here uh you know what these bitches want um you know uh uh also, um, oh, dude, say, you can't forget the Rough Riders. Yeah, yeah Rough Riders anthem. I was, I was trying to, I was trying to think. Rough X Riders anthem. Give it to you. X gonna give it to you. You know where the hood at? Um, what would Deadpool and, be without X gonna give it to you? Honestly, it would not yeah. be the same. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Or I mean, Rick and Morty, for that matter. Yeah, facts, facts. <laughs> when they're training, dude. Yeah, no, he gave us, he gave us some great gym anthems. Um, yeah. Um, you know his and his whole rap style. You know that 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 mm. you know kind of that gar you know that that snarl that he had. You know like that dog kind of voice. You know what I mean? That's how he talked. You know when he was just regularly just talking. I mean you know what I mean? That's just how well, he sounded. Yeah. You know, culturally yeah. appropriating puppies. Yeah, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like he he culturally appropriated dog culture. You know what I mean? Like, you know pit bull culture. It's um, the real talk that nobody wants to address. Yeah. But he did it right. Uh, yeah. He paid. He paid homage. You he, know? he paid. He paid respect where yeah. where it was due. Yeah. yeah. Um. It's so if anybody you know wants to know some of his discography, you know, it's mm. dark and hell is hot. That was his very first album that came out. Uh, Fresh of my uh, fresh blood of my blood was the second uh, album he came out with. Also, classic. A lot of great hits on that. Um. Also, you know, and there was X, another great album. So I mean, he, you know had you know that just back-to-back you know greatness coming out yeah. you know and it even led to things like he was in video games you know what i mean mm-hmm. and people you know played that i mean he was really kind of one of the characters there um you know his interviews were always legendary if you remember him on the breakfast club you know some you know legendary kind of classic moments and the guy you could just listen to him and hear him speak forever yeah. um and once one of my favorite moments not that i have anything against drake but when he was talking shit about Drake on the Breakfast Club, I mean, you know, I mean, that just was, you know, funny the way he was like, man, I don't, I don't like the way that nigga look, man. I don't like the teeth. I don't like his hair. I don't like the nigga voice. I mean, you know, I'm just, I don't like the way that nigga. But that was just like, and like on the other end, this is like the same dude that would like, he would like buy a Girl Scouts cookie, like a Girl Scouts entire inventory of cookies at the same in the same day <laughs> like he was yeah. like he was rough but he was real you know what i'm saying like he was like mm-hmm. and such a kind-hearted dude yeah. if um, he liked you, you. <laughs> <laughs> um do either you guys have like a, a little favorite dmx moment or or clip or anything like that um i think uh like the my favorite personal clip is uh the one that my dad would play every christmas which was DMX singing Rudolph the Red Nose Reindeer. Rudolph the Red Nose Reindeer had a very shiny nose. Uh, and if you ever saw him, you would even say it close. Come on, come on! <laughs> For like a, a bunch of kids. 
that that is a legendary clip that uh has been <laughs> overplayed every christmas since it since it first aired <laughs> yeah oh yeah i love that and yeah, i play that every christmas yeah. <laughs> <laughs> nick what about you uh yeah that's the same clip that comes to mind a lot for me with dmx it's just mm just such a kind-hearted dude and he's having a time of his life just freestyling to red rudolph the red-nosed reindeer mm. yeah. <laughs> and he's also a poet too like i didn't get too much into his poetry but i mean of course like rap is poetry but like mm. you know he would actually do like spoken word from time to time and he has a very captivated voice for it so yeah uh yeah, and you know some of the songs he did. I mean, it wasn't always just like good turn up music because he would also mm -hmm. get very personal. Like slipping, yeah, is, is really good. You know, the Omen what he did with Marilyn Manson um, is is also very good. Like he would also get very very personal in a lot of his records, and you know, really have that reflection on his life and and about God and things like that. Uh, that was very very deep, very personal stuff. Um, I mean, the guy. I mean, he was also a movie star. I mean, you know mm -hmm. what I mean. Like movies like Belly, Romeo Must Die, Cradle to the Grave, Exit Wounds. I mean, he was, you know, also that. I mean, he was so big that he made that transition also being this big movie star um, in these big action movies and movies with Jet Li and Steven Seagal. <laughs> yeah, really. That was big. I mean, that you know, I mean, that was kind of you know very very huge. And Jet Li, you know, a lot of people have been paying their respects. Even Jet Li did also on Twitter. You know, he pays respects to DMX. A lot of people have been doing that um, on the internet. Uh, you know, and, and there was this other guy that died. I don't know some, I don't know British guy. I don't know his name. I don't know some, you know, PP Prince. Who? I don't know. Uh, yeah, exactly. I don't even know. I, don't know, I think guy. I don't know some dude named Phil. Yeah, you know Phil or something. I don't never know heard of him. You know, he you know he shopped a lot at you know White Castle or something. He ate a lot of White Castle or <laughs> something, something oh, like wait. that. I... Are you talking about that <laughs> welfare kid? Oh, he's say you talking about the welfare kid that's been mooching off about, of uh, the English about, uh, citizens for ninety nine years? Talking are you talking about, about British? Talking about British crypt keeper? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I think yeah, British crypt keeper. Yeah, something like that. Yeah, he yeah, something happened to him. I don't know. Yeah, something happened. Uh, to him? Yeah, I hate something. To see it. Yeah, but he didn't make party up in here, so who gives a shit? So yeah. Uh, yeah, um, he, he didn't he didn't write Rough Riders anthem. So fuck yeah. him. Yeah, yeah. And like the more I learned about him too, like. Prince Philip was a piece of shit. <laughs> I hate to break it to you. Uh, a, a member of the British royal family is awful? <laughs> surprise, surprise. Yeah. Surprise Pikachu. <laughs> anyway. Yeah. Yeah, yeah but uh, rest, rest in power. Yeah, rest in power DMX. You know, my respect to him. I've been bumping a lot of DMX recently. A real a lot prince. Of you know what I mean? So, yeah. So, shout out to him. If anybody, you know, hasn't, you know, heard his music, especially, you know, the younger generation who may not know of DMX like that, you know, mm. Zoomers or anything like that. I mean, um, highly for the Zoomers, he inspired a lot of your favorite artists. Like, um, I think even XXX Tentacion was inspired minute, by DMX. <laughs> no, 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 I'm talking to the Zoomers right now. I'm talking to the kids. Oh, um, oh okay. But like he youngins. was heavily inspired by DMX. Um, I know a certain snitch was also inspired by DMX as well, whose name I will not uh, say. But you know, you know who he is. All I had to say was <laughs> a snitch. <laughs> Fuck that Jared Leto looking ass. But you know, he inspired a lot of people. Um, yeah. Both in music and just in just in life. 
Yeah. You know? Yeah. Very. Yeah. Very much so. Yeah. That that style that he had very unique to him. Mm. You know what I mean? Not many people can replicate that style. Replicate yeah. what DMX did. You know. So that I mean, he had that unique voice that made him you know especially stand out amongst everyone else. Um, so yeah. So he would be definitely be missed a lot. Um, yeah. Um, all right. So moving on from discussing DMX, we're gonna discuss the Loki trailer um, that came out. Uh, came out uh, almost like almost a week now. Uh, this is the second trailer they have for the Disney Plus series. It's going to be coming out in June, June 11th, I believe it's going to come out of this year. Um, and shows a lot more stuff, a lot more of the plot, a lot more of what Loki's going to be doing in the series. A lot of people, you know, pretty much already had speculated what Loki was going to be doing, working for this time agency, basically going throughout time and fixing these ripple effects that were caused by him taking the Tesseract um, in Endgame and him kind of disappearing. So, you know, how did you all, you know, like the look of the trailer, the feel of the trailer, the overall kind of thoughts about the trailer? I'm excited for it. Um, just, I just hope that uh, they don't try to limit what they can do with it. You know, playing with time, there's a lot to work with, um, especially because of Endgame. Um, like the Avengers low-key caused the whole ripple of different butterfly effect if you will of various different scenarios that could now happen that loki could fix so i think that's interesting um and of course i love the uh sort of buddy cop dynamic between him and um and owen wilson um I'm, i am very disappointed though i did not hear owen wilson say wow but i hope they're saving that for um the the show and it better come at a very special moment it was like yeah. if that character dies his last words wow <laughs> <laughs> that'd be perfect just like with samuel <laughs> they yeah. saved that mother <laughs> for the right time <laughs> all right uh, nick what, what about you think, um i'd say as far as trailer just trailers go for uh this newest batch of marvel i'd say this is the most intriguing one because you're you're directly dealing with consequences from endgame especially with the uh, loki taking the tesseract and fucking off to and creating a whole bunch of different realities and the important thing to remember this is not the loki that died in infinity war this is not that loki he hasn't gone through that change with his mother he, this is the guy who is still the asshole at the end of the first avengers <laughs> and i wonder yeah. what that's like for um for tom to like get back into that mindset because he has to mm. sort of almost like forget the development that he has gotten because now he's going to get a totally new um story that's interesting yeah and i think there i think this more than i'd say wandavision is gonna be really playing around with setting up the multiverse of madness mm. yeah because the way i see it now this show is gonna tie directly into dr strange more than what ended up one of what we ended up with with WandaVision. Mm. Yeah, I, I mean, I think, I think WandaVision kind of, kind of did a good job with like hinting at the possibility, despite it, mm. you know, kind of ultimately not giving us the multiverse. Um, it 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 ended up being more about Wanda's story than yeah. setting up setting up a another movie, which thank goodness. Well, yeah, I mean, it did fine. Um, but I think 
this directly because you're dealing with the alternate time like realities you kind of have to include there there might be a cameo from dr strange in this you know calm down before the fucking like uh, like we got this covered like name drops our show yeah. and we lose all credibility forever yeah <laughs> i think so I mean, the... to be fair if they did that's just helping us <laughs> Yeah. Is it though? <laughs> yeah. I mean, <laughs> yeah. uh, I don't think so. We're getting <laughs> fake eyes news on us, you know. Fake news, yeah. fake news. Yeah. I mean, so I think you know. Obviously, the Mephisto of Wandavision was. Mephisto, <laughs> you know I mean? Like you know, this this theory of like everybody running around going everything mm. was Mephisto. I think the Mephisto in Falcon and the Winter Soldier is Sharon Carter. This is the whole thing of people want her to be the power broker, and then mm. that's kind of a new thing. And then with this one. I think now the Mephisto of this is going to be who's the character that's all in black. You know mm. what I mean? There's people going like, is yeah. that is that Black Widow? Is that Lady Loki? I think I saw, I looked on Google that it had the actress who's, who's they had a list of people and obviously that, you know, actors and they had the actress, they had one of them listed as Lady Loki. So mm. what are they going to replace, you know, you know, Tom Hilson and then replace him and then bring in another Loki? Obviously they're going to do that with Thor, with Natalie Portman, where they're going to bring in Lady Thor uh with that character so if they replace tom hiddleston i'm pretty sure tumblr will just explode facts yeah sorry <laughs> implode yeah no yeah uh but i mean that's what you know it seems like the mcu is doing they're moving forward i mean it's it's i mean whether you love it or hate it it's almost kind of ingenious the way they've set up all this stuff because clearly mm. they're planning for the young avengers the next phase of the mm. avengers where even in falcon and the winter soldier the character that was uh caretaken for Isaiah Bradley, um, I believe his name was uh, Elijah Bradley, and he was young Patriot, who's a young Avenger. Then you also have Kate Bishop, who's mm. going to be in the Hawkeye series. She maybe is going to fill in the role for Hawkeye, Miss Marvel. Um, then you have the Riri Williams series coming. So clearly, they're they're moving towards the future. A lot of these people are going to be phased out. You mm. know, these other actors and things like that. There's even like um, I was reading where Wiccan, um, who was the child in the WandaVision series, um, there's even a timeline where he becomes the Sorcerer Supreme. Mm -hmm. So maybe even after some years pass, maybe they'll get an actor and then they'll, you know, they'll get the replaced Benedict Cumberbatch and then bring in a new Sorcerer Supreme. So, you know, I mean, they, they, they have all this lined up. I mean, they mm -hmm. have it all kind of planned out. It's kind of insane mm -hmm. to do this. Uh, but to talk about this, you know, Loki series, um, I really like the kind of the look of this, you know, time variant agency that you know that that kind of has him now. Um, it, it's kind of this look that was in Legion a little bit, where it's kind of this mixture of old technology, like the '70s kind of aesthetic, but modern day kind of technology um, on it, which looks very nice. Um, and then you you know have Owen Wilson, like you said, that buddy relationship that is very funny. Mm -hmm. uh, and having that Loki character from, you know, this isn't the Loki character from Endgame. This is more of the, the villainous character that we saw in Avengers. Um, and like someone like, you know, Google and Batara, you know, love saying that name. Always love saying that name. Um, in this, it looks like she's in charge of the Time Variant Agency. She's some higher up official and, you know, you know their kind of plans and things like that. So, um, you know, this is a series, only going to be a limited series like the rest of them have been, only six mm -hmm. episodes um and i wonder how much of this you know has covid impacted it because i know that was a big thing with wandavision hmm. where the final episode was impacted by covid 
there was even some stuff I was reading with Falcon and the Winter Soldier where, you know, COVID had a very, you know, impact on mm. that production because I think they, they said there was supposed to be more stuff with the Flag Smashers and things like that, mm. but they couldn't do it because of COVID. Um, if I was reading that, uh, I saw something like that. So I wonder if, you know, I hope nothing hindered this production, you know, and, and them making it, uh, you know, but it looks like a really great series. You see kind of him going to these kind of different timelines. Somebody was pointing out that if you look kind of at the one you know, kind of 30 mark-ish, you'll see like he's kind of in a, uh, this kind of wasteland past, but if you look in the background, you see the Avengers Tower mm-hmm. kind of destroyed. So this could be a reality, you know, he's going to reality where the Avengers lost to Thanos instead of the, you know, instead of winning. So it'd be nice for them to play around with all these kind of different realities, different versions. So yeah, cool to see. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they can give us the live action of the series that I'm most uh, looking forward to, which is the What If series. Yeah. You know, yeah, just play around with like, all right, this episode we're gonna hang out with the reality that Thanos clapped the Avengers. Um, that again, yeah. <laughs> no, but like there was um, there was like a deleted like uh scene in the script uh, of Endgame where Thanos was gonna have Captain America's head um from the OG timeline. Um, and he was just gonna roll it in front of them, just be like, I clapped y'all in the past, I'm gonna clap you in the future now, <laughs> or something to that degree. But they had to cut it because of the mouse. Um, <laughs> so maybe they could play around with like what that Thanos that came into Endgame, what he left behind in the destruction. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that would be that would be very, very good. Yeah. Um, yeah, going all these different realities. Yeah, yeah, that's a good point. You bring them the what if series, like a live action version of that. Yeah um all right so moving on from discussing that can discuss space jam 2 um lebron james uh hanging out with the looney tunes characters um this is more you know so finally get a look at this see what it looks like um i know a lot of people been talking about it they've been calling it ready player one two um you know because this warner brothers basically showing off all the stuff that they own it's like oh yeah we own iron giant and we own the Lord of the Rings, and we own Game of Thrones, and we own this and, and that. So the guys from Clockwork Orange are here for some reason. Yeah, you know what I mean. Like you know, we you know took out a sexual harasser and put on a serial rapist. You know, like <laughs> you know, look at us. You know what I mean. We just, we just, we got all of it for you people. Um, and I mean, I don't know. People say that about this. You know, all these characters that are splashed on the screen. Um, to me, that just looks like that's just going to be in the last. 10 20 minutes of the movie because it looks like they're yeah, just all showing yeah. up for the big basketball yeah. game that's yeah. going to happen between um lebron james and the and the monsters um so i don't think that's going to be throughout the whole film that you're going to be just seeing these characters just throughout you know what i mean i think you know when lebron james tries to assemble the team you may see other characters like in the background maybe but they're not going to be a huge part of it it's going to be mainly i would assume about lebron james and gathering the looney tunes team and everything mm. like that um to play and the premise of this one, um, so it's all about LeBron James has a bratty kid. Kid runs off, you know what I mean? He, he's mad that, you know, you know his dad's a star basketball player and he's a millionaire. And, uh, oh, and Dad, you're so rich. You never hang out with me. I don't want to yeah. play basketball. Yeah, I don't, I don't want to play basketball. Man, shut the fuck up! <laughs> Which, 
Which, if you look at like the reality, like seems like furthest mm-hmm. from the truth because both of his sons play ball. They hang out with him, like li- they train with him, like literally all the time. Yeah. <laughs> so like LeBron is really acting here. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah like, I think his son, like one of his sons, Bronny, is like mm-hmm. 15, 16. He looks like a grown man. He's got like a grown man body. Like he, you know. I mean, he's like up. getting ready to go into college. Like he. Yeah. <laughs> And he's pretty good from what I understand. Like, you know, like he's a pretty good player himself. Yeah, um, no, they're 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 projecting him to follow up behind his dad. Yeah, so maybe not to know, be as great as him, but you know, to at least make it in the NBA so that they could play at the same time, which I think would be funny. <laughs> yeah. If if LeBron James can make it a few more years, you know, mm-hmm. but you know, with his peak condition, maybe. Uh but yeah, so yeah, so you know, it's all about you know his son, and his son runs off. So I guess uh, the the like they get sucked into the Looney Tunes world uh, via his house because I guess you know what I mean. He's too lazy to leave his house, maybe <laughs> you know what I mean because he's got this. I mean, LeBron James' house hey, probably COVID happened. You couldn't really leave the house. Yeah, you know. So like, okay, fine. Makes we'll, sense. We'll, We'll just put some cameras in your house. Don't worry. We'll just do it there, and we'll take you to the. I mean, most of this movie is gonna be CGI anyway, so we just gotta mm-hmm. be take you to a place and put you in front of a green screen. So it really doesn't matter, you know. Mm-hmm. So fine, we'll just do that. Um, and Don Cheadle kidnaps his son, holds his son hostage, um, and Don Cheadle, I guess, is a part of these servers, I guess, uh, you know, in the Looney Tunes world. Um, and so he's basically holding his son hostage, forcing LeBron James to play a basketball game in order for him to get his son back. You know? Well, it doesn't just seem like the uh, Looney Tune world. It seems like the WB Cinematic Universe. Yeah. Um, like... Yeah. It's every, everybody hanging out. Yeah. Everybody yeah. hanging out. Everybody, you know, good time in, in Warner Brothers world, HBO Max streaming service world. <laughs> uh, you know. Yeah. It, it, it's kind of it's kind of hilarious. People are complaining that this is just a commercial for HBO Max. <laughs> When the original Space Jam was just a commercial for Nike. Yeah. Facts. I mean, yeah. <laughs> if you I go think, back, I, I mean, think honestly, this is like the most uh, loyal reboot so far. It, it is just a, <laughs> just a big ass commercial with ball players. <laughs> yeah. Um, and the Monstars, they're all based on, you know, current NBA players uh, mm. like Anthony Davis, Damian Leonard. Uh, so things like that. So you have very, I think a WNBA player is also. Uh, also one of the monsters that you see here. Uh, what do you guys, what do you think about the look of the film? Uh, because I know like this film seems like it's very, very much the emphasis on CGI and obviously it's 2021, not as opposed to the first one, which was kind of had the Looney Tunes looking more traditional 2D animation as opposed mm. to this one where it's turned the Looney Tunes more like, you know, CGI. Personally, I think they look good. Like, okay. I mean, even like I think the most famous shot right now is when the the one that Lola Bunny uh, did through the alley oop to LeBron that replicates the Dwayne um, the Heat era photo. Um, mm. Like in that shot in particular, you know, it didn't look off putting. It didn't look like she didn't belong there or LeBron didn't belong there. It, it just worked. Um, I mean, it worked for me at least. I'm not I'm not the most critical about like CGI, especially for you know stuff like this <laughs> mm. like the, the cgi isn't going to be like the top level um like marvel type beat it's going to be relatively they're going to cut some corners here and there and i expect that but it looked good i mean i think it makes more sense to go with the 
with at least the story they're going with, bringing in a whole bunch of modern properties, bringing like the dragons from Game of Thrones, the Iron <laughs> Giant. I think it makes more sense to do it as as a CGI film versus uh, hand drawn, and it doesn't even look like they're it completely ignoring the hand drawn because like when he first like goes to Toon World, he's you see cartoon LeBron re hairline restored and all. <laughs> <laughs> what do you think about LeBron James acting? I think he's a much better actor than Michael Jordan, just off yeah. of uh, stuff like Trainwreck. <laughs> I mean, it's <laughs> sort of just like, I'm going to turn my brain off when it comes to him acting. You know what I'm saying? It's a ball player acting. He's going to sound like a ball player acting. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Regardless. Like, they I all mean, have that same cadence where it's like, hey, yo, what's up, guys? Yeah. <laughs> I, 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 just keep, I just keep thinking about the Key and Peele sketch where it's like, uh, Peele is like a ball player is like, I can fly! <laughs> <laughs> you kids! You can actually fly! <laughs> oh, uh, I mean, I, I think he... I think he looks pretty solid in it, like you said. I mean, I think he looks a little bit better than, you know, Michael Jordan was. And, you know, like Chase said, like, they all kind of, you know, have that style of acting. Like, they went to the Shaq school of acting, where it's just kind of, you know, 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 Yeah, I'm steel. You got a hammer. You know, you know, yeah, you know, Kazam. Kazam. Uh, you know, yeah, but you know, it seems like it kind of has that style. Um, the Looney Tunes characters themselves, like you said, I mean, I don't want it to look like the MCU CGI because then it would look almost a little too realistic. I mean, you still want them to mm -hmm. look like cartoon characters mm -hmm. in a cartoon world because that's what they are. Uh, you know, you have other people in this world, you know, that are also, you know, the real people in this as well. Um, but yeah, um, like I said, yeah, it does look like a commercial for HBO Max and all that stuff, but the first one was kind of a commercial for Nike, like you said, for Michael Jordan, it was just promotional material for him. Mm -hmm. uh, so, uh, you know, this could be fun, could be enjoyable. I mean, it just doesn't really give us uh, really a whole lot. I mean, it's just kind of just giving us the basic premise of the film and what the film is kind of going to be about um, and everything like that. So, yeah, I, I mean, you know, of course, we're going to review it. We're going to see it. Uh, we have to review it. Have do to we? Review it. Uh, yeah, we have to review it. Um, so yeah, we're, we okay. are going to. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, check it out. You know, and, and nice. You know, you know, voice by Zendaya is going to be Mola Bunny, so that's good for her. That's yeah, good. I know you're happy. <laughs> yeah, you're. Nah, you yeah, know. You're, you're just fuck horny yeah. jail. Not only no, are you, not only go to are horny you jail, afraid, <laughs> but you also love Zendaya, so <laughs> that's like a that's like a win-win. <laughs> Oh, I'm, I'm sorry for supporting women of color. I'm sorry. I, I can't, we can't, we can't do that on this show. Jesus, every time, every time we call him out for being horny, he always fucking plays that card. Yeah. Uh, uh, I mean, I, I think there's a trend here. I mean, the Selena series, uh, uh, Zendaya, uh, uh, Nico Lowe. I mean, I think there's a trend here. I mean, okay, so anyway. No, there, no, there, no, there's a difference. One of those is actually good. Okay, uh, so. <laughs> you know. So anyway. Uh, I have a side yeah. note question I wanted to ask you guys. You, are you guys familiar with Kingdom Hearts? A little bit, yeah. Yeah, I, yes, a little bit. Now, so I know everybody compares this to like Ready Player One, but like low key, like if they end up going to like the different like worlds throughout the WB universe, 
I'm I'm gonna I, I was kind of feeling like a sort of like low key like a Kingdom Hearts kind of vibe, but with hmm. basketball. Oh, that's, that's actually <laughs> and, kind of good. Yeah, and I like, don't think it, this movie's gonna do that. Shit, I'm pretty yeah, sure no, that was probably not going I'm to. I'm pretty sure that was just the pitch for mm. this. But like, I don't know. That was a random idea that just came to my head. Like, because I feel like Disney's the only one that can compare with them in terms of just having all these different worlds that you can travel through. <laughs> well, you see on the whiteboard, you see somebody's writing. I don't know if it's LeBron James writing it. Uh, yeah, his dream the... team. It's like Superman, King Kong. <laughs> yeah, Iron King, Giant, uh... Gandalf. Um, things like that. So I don't know. Maybe he goes to try to recruit these people and then <laughs> say like, "Hell no, I'm not gonna do that. <laughs> I'm not gonna play basketball for you." And then he he's like, forced to... he like walks in into the middle of Batman v Superman. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> You know, and like Henry Cavill, Superman. Hey, do you mind if you just play basketball with me real quick? You know what I mean? Okay. And then he just reflexively says, "Fuck them kids." I mean, uh, sorry, what? (laughs) Yeah, that's a that's a totally different rating. That's a totally different rating. I'm pretty sure this is PG. Uh, he he like goes to the he like tries to recruit Superman, but he's stuck with the Lego one. (laughs) There might even be. be... Oh. There might even well, be like know. an age restriction with some of the worlds he can go to go into. Like he obviously can't go into the Game of Thrones world in this movie. <laughs> yeah. Like. <laughs> oh man. Um, so yeah, I mean, this. I mean, so with something like this, as we, you know, we just talking about. I mean, you can have fun with this plan in the worlds of the yeah. worlds that they have, and you have somebody who can come along and write a good script and go like, man, let's really play with these characters. Let's let's poke, you know, let's let's mm-hmm. kind of poke fun at them a little bit, but. I don't think they're gonna do that. They're just gonna rest on, hey, we got LeBron James, we got a bunch of famous properties that people know, and we're gonna do probably lame Looney Tune gags that we've already seen in a bunch of all the all, all you know, all the other Looney Tunes cartoons. So Yeah, so ready play on the movie. Yeah, you know what I mean. So which I did not like that movie. I, uh, I, I but I do have hope for I do have hope for this because Ryan Coogler attached his name to it. Mm-hmm. And that's pretty much it. For, mm. for me just based off this one trailer yeah. yeah he normally doesn't attach his name to trash so i'm sure he had mm. a few looks in, at, at the cuts and was just like all right yeah no i can put my name on this <laughs> he's not help he's not gonna pull a chris he's not gonna pull a chris terrio and try to hey get my motherfucking name off this <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah and knowing how well he paid homage with creed i mean granted i know he mm. doesn't have a direct hand in it but I'm sure, you know, this is still like Space Jam is near and dear to like literally everybody that grew up in the 90s um, and early 2000s. So I'm sure anybody that grew up in the 90s, the early 2000s, anybody Mm -hmm. that's ever bought a pair of Jordans or watched cartoons. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm sure I'm sure it'll be all right. It'll be decent. Yeah. Uh, Actually, Ryan Coogan's brother is attached to this. He's writing it. So that's probably Mm -hmm. one of the reasons why he's a producer, you know, on this is his brother's attached to it. So. Okay. And it's directed by Malcolm D. Lee. Uh, mm. You know, he's, he's done some good movies. He did Undercover Brother, which is mm. really good. Girls Trip. Oh, really shit, good. for real? Yeah, Girls Trip, yeah. But he also did Scary Movie 5. Mm. You know, but he did do Best what Man. Scary movie but, I mean, four. in terms of, like, his... his uh, it, it does sound like he's gotten better since then. <laughs> so... <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, his, his last movie was Night School. Kevin Hart. Night school? Ooh. Okay, maybe yeah. never mind. I take it back. 
I thought girls. I thought you were gonna say Girls Trip was his last movie, and I was just like, yeah, that's all right. Like, Girls Trip came better. out the year before. Mm. Yeah, okay. I, I don't really blame him. I blame Kevin Hart more for for Night School. <laughs> that's fair. That's fair. Um. All right. So moving on from discussing Space Jam Two, uh, we're gonna get into the reviews. Uh, first review of the day. We're gonna discuss Thunder Force, which is the Netflix film, the Ben Falcone uh, written and directed film. Who's the husband of Melissa McCarthy? Who's starring in this film? Um, also co-starring with Octavia Spencer in this film. Um, it sets up a basic premise at the opening of this, uh, where you have, they say that a cosmic rays, um, hit the earth and it caused people to get superpowers. The only thing is that it only affected a certain percentage of the population, the percentage of the population that affected were people who were predisposed to be sociopaths. So the people who got powers basically just became criminals, you know, and started running the city that they're, you know, just started running basically the world, the city that they're in. And the city that they're in, uh, unfortunately, is Chicago, uh, which is where I'm from, <laughs> uh, which is probably to, one of the worst things. I'm pretty sure. To, it's, to be fair. Pretty sure Pretty sure it's the worst thing to happen to Chicago. To be fair. Uh, since probably if they didn't Man say, If they there. didn't say they were in Chicago, I would not have known they were in Chicago. Did you... <laughs> There's some experience. Oh yeah, shots. because yeah, because every every five fucking seconds they're throwing. Yeah, I got a I got tickets to a Cubs game or some <laughs> other fucking thing or whatever. Yeah, no, yeah. literally every other line, every other bit is either a Chicago like related um, reference um, or Melissa McCarthy do... or Melissa McCarthy improving for too long because Ben yes. Falcone will oh not We're... fucking say cut. We're gonna yeah. talk about that later, but you know, um, they didn't. Unlike a movie that we're gonna talk about later, they didn't do a good job establishing the setting as as, as good as they could have. <laughs> so, uh, uh, yeah. So uh, you know, like like they mentioned before, you. I mean, she talks about Chicago a lot. That's kind of like her main personality trait. Most McCarthy is just being a fan of Chicago, um, and the exterior shots those are chicago the in, you know the shots they shoot just like regularly on the street that's not in chicago um that none of that's the only the main exterior shots are um so you see the beginning of the film uh where you see a young uh, most mccarthy and Tavia spencer when they're kids so you see their friendship start to begin um there and it gives their kind of her whole backstory uh Tavia spencer her parents died from they call them miscreants um as they call us the villain name they give these people the power of miscreants and her parents died from an attack by miscreants and then she dedicated her whole life to creating this um uh serum that would allow regular to give regular people powers so i thought that was kind of a little bit of a good opening showing mm -hmm. them as kids and kind of like and and as they progress through age when you see them when they're like middle school high school college they get actors who all look the same as them mm -hmm. you know mm -hmm. which i thought was kind of nice um and you know whether yep, they, they get actors that look the same and care and act the same as they do mm. yeah so needless yeah. to say i fucking hated the melissa mccarthy in all eras <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah no i i i yeah because disagree with you on be that, real on, let's um, be real melissa mccarthy is a terrible friend she <laughs> is the worst yeah yeah no um i'm gonna i'm gonna keep it a brick with you in my opinion the opening could have been cut in half. I think that, I mean, I think there's a good chunk of this movie that really could have used some cutting. 
um <laughs> but that whole bit with them growing up like it was good to establish the sort of you know the the overall conflict right mm. um but all we really needed to see was them uh, becoming friends and then you can time jump to where they are now because all that other information about how they broke up and stuff we could have that be implied or have or learn that throughout the story mm. we didn't need to see it that shit was trash because <laughs> <laughs> uh, um, like uh, there are some highlights to this movie that i did like oh, i i be but we'll get there when we get there um yeah uh but the the last setup of it i just wanted to just kind of put out there so when they're in college mm. um a rift happens between them and that's where they don't speak for years and years and years all the way up until you know in their adult age and then mm-hmm. they finally reconnect again uh finally so um you know i would say you know ben falcone uh i mean damn uh ben uh yeah ben falcone uh who's the husband of Melissa mccarthy I don't know if he hates his wife secretly or or what. I don't know if he because he's hey, written let, direct. Let, let's be real. We all know who wears the pants in that relationship. Yeah. Let's be <laughs> real. You can yeah. tell by how this is cut. <laughs> uh, I mean, because he's written and directed some of her worst movies. Um, mm. And when you say like, okay, well, you know, what's her worst movies? Like Tammy, The Boss, um, you know, Life of the Party like this you know (laughs) this you know what i mean i mean this is kind of some of you know she you know written into some of her worst stuff um paul it's like they don't really understand dude dude first off let's take the word written by out of this entirely they have an outline and then they just let melissa mccarthy improv for an hour and 45 minutes (laughs) Uh, pretty much sounds about right because there's a scene in this uh where she does like an urkel impression and that goes mm. on and on like it doesn't it, it goes on not... for like five fucking minutes yeah it was, like she... and it, and the saddest thing about it was that if they had just cut it at this at the at the one line where she says who's urkel over here i would have died laughing but the fact that they kept on going with it just yeah. really killed me <laughs> They just yeah they just kept they just drive it into the ground and they, they do it for like two minutes she does the urkel mm. impression like this does it over and over again and then there's another yeah. joke that follows and, that and she's just like oh you don't know urkel you don't know urkel did i do that did i yeah. do that yeah yeah because yeah because uh not knowing somebody and then just doing an impression of them just makes you yeah recall it oh that's who that is oh, yeah yeah often yeah, <laughs> yeah. Then there's a whole bit where she calls um, the woman that works for Octavia Spencer. Um, you know, she calls her Jolie Foster, and then that bit goes on. And then it's just like a lot of these kind of sometimes they do these bits that just kind of go on and they go nowhere. A lot of these jokes mm-hmm. just go nowhere. Um, but I mean, I, I would love to hear you know you guys' thoughts about it and, and watching it. You know, a movie I suggested you all. <laughs> yes, and you are O for twenty five on the movie suggestion. Fucker. <laughs> <laughs> I, I just want you guys to know. We have an offhand joke. Literally, almost every suggestion that Josh has made has been a terrible mm. one for us to review. So every bad movie that we review is his fault. Because we have man to that I'm pointing at right here. <laughs> You're pointing the other way. I'm over here. I'm to like I'm on your. No, no, no. On 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 the people's screens. You're over there. Oh. Okay. <laughs> yeah. So. Yeah. From Chase's perspective, you're over there. Like no. I'm down here. 
Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, you know, hey, we have to review it. We got review. We don't have to do shit. <laughs> I, dude, that's part of the game of be of reviewing movies. Occasionally, you're gonna review some shit. Yeah. Probably more oh often than god. not, you're gonna end up reviewing some shit. Yeah. Oh my god! But so, where do we begin, dude? Nick, do you want to go first, or because I do have some highlights in this film? Okay, <laughs> <laughs> first off. I think this movie is kind of following the formula of the Judd Apatow style of comedy. Mm -hmm. They just get a bare bones outline of a script and then they let their actors improv for however long the movie is going to go. Now, with Judd Apatow, he is at least a good enough writer to have some material and then will cut some of the improv stuff that doesn't work. Mm. Ben Falcone is not one of those guys. Because he knows that he is directing a person who has his balls in a fucking vice grip. So mm. he can't ever say no. And you it's so frustrating because you know Melissa McCarthy has talent. You see her in in her Paul Fagg movies with like Spy, with Bridesmaids. She's hilarious in those. And even in dramatic stuff like Can You Ever Forgive Me? She wasn't she is an Academy Award nominated person. Why are you doing shit like this? Nah. <laughs> and it just makes me so sad because you have so many talented people here. You have Jason Bateman, Bobby Cannavale, Pomp Clementine. Why did you agree to this? And you can tell Octavia Spencer is trying. And God bless her, she is trying. But Dude. this is so beneath her. Yeah, she's giving it her all. And it's like, you can tell that, like... Because as a pitch, I could see how this got money. Because this is a f fun idea, you know what I'm saying? Mm. To write a comedy about... Yes, yes, yes. let's have a comedy. Let's mm. have a superhero movie where you cast, like, not typical of what you would see in a superhero movie yeah yeah and just like which is a fun idea if it were in anybody else's hands yeah yeah because like I, I i do think the character octavia uh sponge is playing in a good movie would be a great character because that whole origin story of her trying to figure out all right like how do how do you become a superhero in this world of uh terrible people um with superpowers um that is an interesting story in itself um unfortunately it does get bogged down by melissa mccarthy's character um and just a lot of just very like annoying very predictable uh, plot conveniences just like the whole way in which melissa gets her powers was just like how did you let this security breach happen <laughs> it's just stupid <laughs> you know what i'm saying just like stupid just stupid shit honestly um but i do have some highlights i'm not gonna lie to you there are some good moments in this film with melissa mccarthy and jason bateman that made me laugh uh mm. their dynamic i don't know what it is but it made her tolerable <laughs> um him with the crab hands is just like a funny thing because you see him like running in and out um with the crab hands uh, i thought that was hilarious um reminded me of the crab dance i, I actually almost want to edit that but i i don't know if i'll have time to <laughs> uh, but um yeah no those are those are nice um 
and i mean even the villain he's like he's like oh he's funny about it i guess he's a he's a he's a he's not the best villain of all time but he's at least trying to make this a funny performance you know so. i just felt sad for bobby cannavale <laughs> yeah <laughs> Dude, you're um, so talented and you're so great in so many things. Why did you agree to this? Because, <laughs> like, in the hands of the right director, that performance would be hilarious. Like, okay, I'm gonna spoil it because this was literally his best scene. Um, they do the, they make fun of the trope where the villains kill off their henchmen, <laughs> um, and. He was just like, oh shit, maybe I shouldn't have killed off that henchman. All right, hold on. Who are you again? That guy. Are you are you good at anything? All right, no, you're trash. All right, bet. I'm going to kill you next time. <laughs> <laughs> and that's like probably the funniest joke in the in the in the whole film. Um, but you know, it's just a lot of missed potential. A lot of missed potential. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah. Um, I mean, with with, with the characters here, because. So some of the driving force behind this movie also was like Melissa McCarthy and Octavia Spencer. They're real life friends. Um, mm -hmm. You know, they are you know really good friends in real life. I don't really get a sense of that in the film. I, I mean, their chemistry, I don't think really is that good on screen together. I think it maybe is just because the writing isn't just there. Mm -hmm. um, and they basically have writing. this kind of, yeah, uh, <laughs> quotation marks. Uh, they basically just have one kind of personality type. It just seemed like Melissa McCarthy, the whole thing about her personality, is she loves the she loves chicago so she loves the chicago sports team like you know she calls it the bears you know da um you know the cubs you know she wears old band t-shirts you know from the 80s you know she like van halen and slayer and all this other stuff like that's kind of her whole identity and she drinks a lot of beer that's kind of her main you know personality thing yep you know octavia spencer her whole thing is she's smart and then her parents got killed and then you know she wants to stop the miscreants and she's been working a whole life to stop them and work on this formula to give people powers and she's you know very very you know uptight about the stuff and so so kind of uptight about it um that's kind of her main traits so they just kind of have that same kind of thing playing off each other so if you i mean you could do it in a way where it's you know hey you got the straight man and then you got the kind of you know off ball kind of character that always works in any comedy duo you always have to have that just here it just it's you know it just doesn't work very effectively and yeah. you know part of this movie when they eventually do get powers which what's the best part of any superhero origin story it's when they get their powers and mm. seeing them discover their powers and save people that's kind of like one of the best things about any superhero origin story this one that doesn't even work because that's you know very much kind of lame and kind of you know, and, and I get this is not a hybrid it, movie. It, it's it's fucking Melissa McCarthy doing her. Look at me, I'm so funny, I'm fat, and I'm falling down. <laughs> Those same <laughs> jokes. I was like, <laughs> I, I was trying to count how many fat jokes there was in it. I because like that's a big thing. A lot of these Bill Fancone movies, especially like when mm. he does, you know, these movies with Melissa McCarthy, is like they really put much emphasis on that. I was trying to figure out how many there were. The only real main one I really kind of saw was the one where they try to get in the Lamborghini and they try to fit yeah, in there. Yeah. You know what I mean? That was kind of the only main Another one. joke that goes on for five minutes too long. Yeah. No, yeah. That went like, on for. Yeah. Like you said, you, I mean, you only it, needed that to be like a 30 second bit. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, um, and like they, maybe shoot it from different angles rather than just the lazy ass uh, uh, two wide, ang wide angle shots. But yeah, because uh, there's a scene when they get in it. 
yeah there's a scene when they get in it and they get out of it and they struggle to get you know both in it and out of it um like why would they even design a car that they couldn't even fit in or anything like that (laughs) i don't know you know what i mean but okay uh yeah so uh the stuff like that like we said gags just go on forever and just don't seem like they have a good Mm -hmm. end point to them which could have maybe been salvaged if you just said okay let's just cut this right here like chase said 30 seconds and just be done with it um and it's a waste ben Ben falcone ben let me address ben falcone it's like dude i know you are directing someone you supposedly love sometimes you gotta tell somebody no so I, that's I a mean, part of being a director you gotta have your vision uh i mean yep, unless this was his vision but we're assuming it wasn't <laughs> i don't know i mean it could be a situation where they're both you know sitting there you know writing the script together and you know they're laughing and they're on set mm. they're laughing writing <laughs> you know they just have a bad sense of humor i don't know you know, because like you know, Free, Freeburg and Seltzer, you know, they, they, you know, mm-hmm. things they were sitting on set laughing all the time. I will give Ben Coney this; he is a much better director than Freeburg and Seltzer. That is all I will say. Um, that is all the praise you get for me from this movie. I don't know. I toss up. Well, I mean, in this movie. You do have a character that has an arc, um, which is Octavia Spencer's character. She learns not to be afraid anymore. I don't know what Melissa McCarthy. And which is more than you can, and which is more than you can say for any Melissa McCarthy movie ever. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, I mean in terms of like all like low key, this is probably their best movie together, in terms of like her husband and her. <laughs> which still isn't saying much. I'm just, yeah. I'm just saying like you know, uh, you know, the the positive is that. They are slightly improving, um, not for the reasons that they probably think they are. Mm. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe, maybe they'll get it right one day. Maybe, maybe they get it right one day. I the law of averages, you know. I mean, they just you, keep I mean you know, movies. you know the definition of insanity, right? <laughs> true, true, true. I mean, true. I don't know. Maybe Paul Fig has to be there just to like co-direct, maybe, and go mm. like, well, hey, this is really what makes her funny because, like you said, mm. she works bridesmaids. I love Spy. I think Spy is hilarious. I love Spy. Mm is awesome yeah you know i love that so i mean he knows what makes her funny you know he does yeah. and even in even in ghostbusters even though i don't like that movie i don't i thought she was at least kind of tolerable in it and decent in it yeah um yeah. he just needs somebody to rein the both of them in yeah um so for me final reign for this i give it a wow uh <laughs> geez uh I guess a two out of ten. I'm gonna give it just a two out of ten for me. I, I can't really think of much I really kind of liked about it. Um, you know, I mean, it's, it's not funny. The leads don't work. Um, I, I guess I like, like I said, I like the opening, and I guess Octavia Spencer's daughter, she was okay, and her whole thing with Melissa McCarthy, that was kind of, I guess, okay. So those two things. So okay, two out of ten, I guess. You know, Chase. Uh, I'm actually surprised. I might actually have the most positive uh, review on this. Uh, it's a four. Um, <laughs> uh, <laughs> I think that there are elements here that just kind of. I think it's just mediocre. I don't think it's all, all right terrible. I just think it's very mediocre. Uh, we're gonna forget about this movie. 
tomorrow kind of film. Mm. Mm. Nick? And I'm gonna give this a one out of ten. It's like the <laughs> biggest crime this movie commits is that it's lazy. Mm. It's like even it's he just Falcone as a director, he just puts the camera on a tripod and lets Melissa McCarthy improv for however long they shoot this. Because you know there's like the fucking Snyder cut length version of this movie with just her improvs. Yeah. Release the McCarthy none cut. Of... <laughs> <laughs> Release it. None of, none of the fucking gags work. All the jokes, they just fall completely flat and they go on for too damn long. I will say that I got a chuckle when uh, when Bobby Cannavale was on screen and they did that joke of like supervillain killing the henchman. That was genuinely funny. And I don't owe that to like Falcone's skill as a director or a writer. I think he's kind of trash. He mm. just shits <laughs> out whatever his wife wants to work on and she can't say no because again, balls and vice grip. Yeah. Mm. I will give to Octavia Spencer because bless her heart she is trying she's just got this like giant anchor that's weighing her down with this fucking Melissa McCarthy <laughs> grip yeah yeah um it's yeah a real shame it, it, this movie didn't make me angry the way that something like music did right well yeah I mean music is just offensive yeah offensive yeah um yeah that's uh, offensive anger this is more so just batting like trash anger this is just this is just frustrating anger because yeah. again melissa mccarthy she has talent she's an academy award nominated actress yeah and she insists on doing stuff like this it was like we know you're better than this hmm. i mean to be fair she's kind of like the female it's, like it's, adam sandler where in the sense like like neither of them when left to their own devices uh, do yeah. beautiful work, but when, <laughs> <laughs> but when they have somebody to rein them in and they're in like the right environment, they are phenomenal. Um, yeah, I mean, I can't wait for the fucking Melissa McCarthy Benny uh, Safdie brothers movie. <laughs> oh, that'd be good. I'd like to see. I'd like to see what they do with it with her. That'd be good. Oh yeah. So yeah, Thunder uh, Force two. Uh, yeah. Directed by Josh around? and Benny Safdie. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, all right. So moving on from discussing Thunder Force, let's discuss uh, Concrete Cowboy, which is starring Idris Elba and uh, Caleb McLaughlin. Uh, Caleb McLaughlin uh, is from Stranger Things. Um, and here, um, this is a Netflix film, like just like the other one Thunder Force was. Uh, here you have Caleb, uh, Caleb McLaughlin, who's sent to live with his strange father, Idris Elba, uh, after being kicked out of school, and his mother is just tired i mean you know she's just <laughs> tired of dealing with them uh she she put his shit in a in garbage bag she didn't even get a <laughs> put his shit in garbage bags <laughs> and and drove to where you know his father is and said just you just you gotta get out i'm i'm, I'm, just, I'm tired i'm done you know <laughs> what, what from you know, detroit to philadelphia yeah i was yeah. about to say like that's not a <laughs> That's not a quick drive at all. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Just Pittsburgh to Philly is a long drive. Like, uh, she was yeah. done. Dude, the, funny, <laughs> the funniest mo, the funniest moment of this was, I to me, it was uh, like when she like first drops him off at outside his dad's house, and that tough guy act drops quick. It was yeah. like, Mama, Mama, let me 
<laughs> Mama, I was just playing. I'll do good. I'll do better. No, and nobody has any sympathy for him. Yeah. <laughs> like, fuck this kid. Yeah, I mean, yeah. They just she just leaves him on the doorstep. <laughs> Very much so. Welcome to Philly. <laughs> yeah. Um, and Where the so, neighbors you know, like care, but they like they're not gonna necessarily help you. They're just gonna tell you what's right, but they're not gonna actually help you. <laughs> they'll, they'll pray for you. They'll, yeah. they'll pray hey, for you. Hey, yeah. East Coast East Coast people are kind. They're not nice. Yeah, the facts, facts, <laughs> and we'll we'll go into that later. But that like I love how they did that. <laughs> they captured the heart of Philly perfectly. <laughs> <laughs> um so she you know drops him off there to live with a strange father um and the father is part of this community in philadelphia of black cowboys which is a real community there um they even have real life people who are part of that community in this mm. film for instance character with dreads who's uh, in the wheelchair um he's a real life person so he's a part of it uh the love interest of this movie for uh caitlin mclaughlin she's a real life person who's um, mm. you know part of this community as well and i thought that was a nice touch to add these people in it and they give some of the best performances in the movie yeah um, i think it, it's it's Absolutely. it's really it's really nice to see people who have no acting experience whatsoever come onto a project and do really well and it's maybe because they are in their you know, just natural element mm. um like for instance like in uh, uh noma land uh with mm. francis mcdormand they had real mm. life people who are part of that community and you know they delivered some of the best performances in that movie as well so you know i yeah, i do I, appreciate I, that I think with I think with this there are a lot of parallels with Nomadland as far as like showing off this kind of almost underground community and bringing the real life people into it and just having that level of authenticity with it. Yeah, yeah as somebody and those who... were and and those were the better parts of the movie at least mm. for me. Yeah, no, as somebody who lived in Philly for a brief period of time, uh, it was kind of surreal to see like certain. Uh, pieces of north philly that i've actually been to um now granted i had no idea that they had cowboys out there like that i had heard rumors of like a dude riding a riding a horse but i didn't know that that was like a legit like community that existed um which was cool to see but yeah no they capture the heart of philly perfectly um their performances i was very surprised to find out that they were this was their first roles because of how like great the chemistry was and you could feel that they actually were hanging out like you know like they normally do in the movie yeah. um and when they're on the horses like i feel like like a major reason why they probably did end up casting the actual like people that were in that community was because you're not gonna get too many actors that are willing to spend the the months that it takes to train on ho like riding horses and stuff like that you know <laughs> so like yeah. you know yeah. like that that was good on them and they they got they got really lucky with the uh with the with the with the people the personnel because mm. yeah. they can act <laughs> yeah they, they, they do a good job yeah um yeah. Uh, and I think, you know, when they show a part of this community, um, they talk about, you know, there's a moment where they're sitting around campfire talking about, you know, black cowboys, the history of black cowboys. And they mm -hmm. say like, well, you know, they over, you know, 50% of the cowboys are black. Yeah. Um, and, you know, cause a lot of, uh, slaves when they, you know, when they were freed, they didn't have any jobs. So they became cowboys and picked up 
you know, bounties and that's how they got money, you know, some of them. So um, even, you know, the terminology of cowboy, you know, you mm. had some other, you know, racist terminology that, you know, racist kind of history. Um, so, you know, I think that was very interesting to learn about that type of stuff. Um, mm. I'd like to see maybe possibly a documentary about this community, you know, mm. if, they, if they continue with it. Um, just to know more about these stories, about the people involved and, and, and their life and how they got involved in this uh, would, would be very, very interesting. Um, I feel like the movie itself um, kind of has a lot of very much, you know, very feels like a very indie movie type feel to it, mm -hmm. uh, meaning that you kind of have a lot of those kind of things that um, I guess tropes, you know, elements in there. Um, the boy and you know kind of a strange father and then you know, especially for you know someone who is a, a black a leading character in the film especially a young black leading character in the film you're gonna have street life is calling him you know um, and he has you know issues with that um, yeah. you know and issues kind of with his father um, yeah. some of that stuff I think felt uh, it felt especially the street life stuff I don't think they put a, as much as effort into that as everything else in the film yeah that that's element of this kind of felt like a like an afterthought but it's kind of saved by uh, uh, the performance of Jarrell Jerome who's yeah. playing Smush his, his chemistry with McLaughlin is incredible yeah no I, and even, I... even if even if the, the story of that element of this movie didn't work 100% I was still captivated whenever they were on screen together. Yeah, no, he is funny as hell with 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 Caleb, and their dynamic reminds me of, you know, just like a, a friend that you haven't seen in so long. You know, mm. they captured that perfectly, um, and just like even just like the sort of like not so much awkwardness, but like the sort of just like all right, this is where you are now. Like <laughs> like you're a totally different person than I remember. You know. Um, yeah. and the way that they're able to tie that storyline with, um, with, uh, I forgot the character's name, um, but the, the best smush. Yeah. The way they're able to tie smush with the, um, the stable storyline, I thought was very clever. Um, is it cliche to some degree? Yes. But I do think that the character himself as a person and it, as, as the performance was saved, um, by just like the writing, giving him like a dream for being in the street life. Um, that's something different that you don't normally see in these type of movies um, that portray that. Um, and then also giving him sort of like a very well fleshed out history in the community. That was good too. Um, Cause it felt like he was, even though he was like, you know, even though in the film, he kind of felt like a, like a, like a side quest he was mm -hmm. always a part of the community you know yeah um yeah so you know i said drill jerome um people remember he was in when they see us mm. uh you know gave a very great powerful performance in that um, yep. he's also uh, a moonlight prime time emmy winner for that performance mm. yeah so I mean, he knocked it out of the park um yeah you know i think yeah said so the relationship between him and caleb mclaughlin is, is good in the film really nice um i don't think it's really bad performances in the film uh, I just think it's sometimes they're stuck in situations where it's kind of tropey, kind of, you know, kind of cliche mm -hmm. kind of stuff, uh, which can work if you do it, if you write it well enough. Mm -hmm. um, I just think that not enough time was really devoted to the street life stuff to make it that really different from anything we've really seen. Yeah. Um, the, the, the drug dealer character, you know, okay, basically. He, he, he's a typical drug dealer character in these types of, types of movies. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you know. Um, the stuff with Idris Elba, um, I thought him and Caleb McLaughlin worked really well together. 
Um, I thought they had a good relationship and, and you know, him breaking down of, you know, why he wasn't there for him, I thought was pretty mm-hmm. good. He's just like, hey, man, listen, I wouldn't shit, okay? I mean, that's what I wouldn't need in life. And, and, and you know, I, I stayed away from you so you would actually be something and, and so you wouldn't be shit like me. Uh, and I thought that was a good moment. I thought that was a good scene. Um, even, you know, kind of a little bit of it could be kind of seen as also a cliche with the whole thing of, you know what I mean? You know, when he, you know, screams, you know, you're not my real father and um, things like that. But I think they handle it well enough mm-hmm. uh, that that it can be. I think their their chemistry kind of does well enough that it over kind of overcomes that. Yeah. Um, and the journey that uh, Cole, I think, is Caleb's character, right? Cole? Cole yes, Train. Yes, yeah. Cole. Yeah. The journey that he that he goes on. I it didn't feel like their relationship was forced at the end. It felt mm. like yeah, no, that's just the natural progression, you know. They're never yeah. going to fully be like buddy buddy, but you know, they can they can get there and then they can at least be like they can at least take each other's advice and whatnot, and you know, start to cultivate that father son bond slowly but surely. Yeah, yeah. The movie it's less about. Uh, amending the fence between like an estranged father and son and more just kind of like that slice of life story and mm. getting them on the road to that yeah 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 yeah, yeah. yeah. about this community about him joining this community mm. learning this history of these black cowboys being a part of something mm-hmm. you know um something that's part of his heritage you know what i mean and, and black people and you know like they say in the film you know like we you know, talked about the scene campfire you know what i mean like you know land horses cowboy stuff that is black heritage you know that is black history you know what i mean and you know and then they talk about hollywood and how it whitewashes everything you know things like lone ranger things like john wayne cowboy movies it's like you know it's seen as very much you know white guy thing you know what i mean white guys cowboys and everything like that but yeah even you know yeah even down to like country music how that's corny yeah you know what i mean so yeah one of the funnier yeah, lines um, was just like when one dude was just like um, they're passing off to the old guy and he was like, all right, so listen to some like or- the original trap music. And then it's just a dude <laughs> with a harmonica. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I mean, you know, so I mean, it, it, you know, all that stuff. So I, I thought that was really good. You know, that stuff that mm-hmm. they interjected in the film, uh, which was really nice. Um, you know, to, to give my final thoughts about it. Um, enjoyed the story a lot. Enjoyed learning about this community of black cowboys. Um, enjoyed the performances in it. Um, you know, thought it was really silent. It, you know, it can be a little, you know, kind of cliche and it's kind of storytelling of indie movie kind of stuff. But I think there's enough good in it to overcome those things. Um, and for me, I would give it a seven out of ten. Mm. Uh, Chase. Um, there are some like cliche elements in this um, film. But I do think that the way that they execute it is about as good as it can possibly get to some degree. Um, how do you guys feel about the Method Man char- character, though? Um, Very good. I thought he, I thought I thought he, he was, was cool. Yeah. Okay. I mean, yeah, I think he's cool, like personality, but I do feel like he was just he was everywhere. <laughs> he, he was just conveniently everywhere. Um, <laughs> well, but, well, because, well, I think by the nature of what his character is, he is a character mm-hmm. that does have deep ties to this community and mm. he's trying to warn them it's like hey uh you guys gotta you know clean this shit up a little bit but yeah that are, otherwise horses, they're gonna come and take the horses yeah. horses living in the house dead horse that that's just laying there that's still dead you ain't pick up the body you ain't to bury it yet like what the hell are you oh, doing man yeah no that's not a good me look. of that reminded me of that john mulaney joke <laughs> <laughs> 
there's a horse in a hospital. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, I just, I mean, he's trying to help him. He's like, man, you gotta do something about this. I'm telling you, man. Yeah, no, he's I, trying I to help him. him. He warned them, and they didn't listen. But I did like his character. Yeah, no, I, I loved his character. Just like I kind of felt like he was a little bit like they don't have anybody else on the force. <laughs> <laughs> but aside from that, I give this an eight. Um, I I really enjoyed this. I think you know, for the tropes and the cliches, it's all about execution. I think they executed it just fine. Um, now the only thing keeping it from a nine or a ten is you know the side quest storyline with the with the with the street shit. I do think mm. that it was that was probably the most cliche out of this movie. But uh, you know, you, you got you got to take what you can get. I guess there's not much else you can really do with that storyline. <laughs> but what do you think, Nick? Um. <clears throat> I, I agree. I'm probably going to echo a lot of the things that you've praised about this movie. I think the performances are from uh, McLaughlin, Idris Elba, and Jarrell Jerome, I think they're standout. And especially bringing in the real-life uh, Fleet Street Riders, they were really great. Uh, they were really great additions. They add a little bit more authenticity to this. I do think the movie is very cliche, but also, like you guys are saying, cliche doesn't necessarily mean bad if it's executed well, and I thought it was done fairly well here. I do think the movie, it's, it's, I think it does have a couple issues with pacing. I think it's a little bit, uh, it drags in the middle whenever it gets into the street life story, but again, the chemistry with uh, Jerome and uh, McLaughlin those are kind of the saving grace of it. So mm. I'd give this solid seven and a half uh, shit on Jordan's out of 10. <laughs> oh my God. That, 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 that scene that hurt. Head? That what scene hurt that kid's me. Head? What, who like, told him to wear Jordan's at the stable? That's probably like, should dude, you know you're going to be... <laughs> Bro, just wear the trashy shoes you came in with. Those, those are like like uh, one of my grandmas used to say like the bobo shoes you know what I'm saying like those, those are, are the throwaways yeah you don't wear the Jordans to the stable <laughs> you don't just wear those to like out and about you gotta wear those for special moments you know yeah, yeah. oh man that was expensive shoes man oh, I, I know that scene hurt me it's like <laughs> And you knew it was coming too. That that was like the funniest part about it. It was just I like knew. you knew it was coming. It was just win. <laughs> yeah. Um. All right. So moving on from discussing uh, Concrete Cowboy, going to discuss Invincible episode five uh, that just came out. Uh, but in this episode, uh, you have Mark Grayson who's helping out a gangster character. Uh, who you first see in the episode, it kind of opens up with his story and his whole background working as kind of this enforcer for this mobster, the mobster named Machine Head, voiced by Jeffrey Donovan. Uh, good voice role from him. Uh, yeah, and it was kind of funny, that gag of, uh, like, occasionally it'll, like, uh, go into auto-tune with him. Yeah, I yeah. Thought, yeah that was kind of really nice, yeah. <laughs> um, they had to kind of pitch on his voice, kind of like T-Pain. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> pitch on his voice, uh, which was pretty nice. Um, and did, when you first saw that character, did you think like when he wasn't like in rock form, did you think that was the other black ball character that was on the superhero team? Yes, I did. I, I, was, I did. Yeah, I thought I, I thought there was going to be like a plot twist uh, where like it was revealed that he always had his powers and he was just playing up an act. 
because I'm like they look eerily similar. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Um, nah. I'm glad it wasn't just me. <laughs> yeah, because I was like, well, uh, yeah. That, so that kind of threw me off at the first. I'm I like, ain't, Wait, I ain't gonna say nothing about that. Uh, <laughs> yeah, cause... yeah, yeah. No, you, 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 you're best to not. <laughs> yeah. We can say it. <laughs> yeah, uh, but yeah, that just kind of threw me off in the episode. I was like, wow, this guy looks like you're really similar to the other guy on the on the superhero team with who just wears the suit. Um, yeah. The old guy on the team, as they always refer to him as, but um, you know, so he you know he works as this enforcer, and you see that he's just a guy that you know kind of just wants to do best. He's got a family, you know, wife, mm-hmm. kid, and he's just kind of doing what he needs to do just to make ends meet and trying. You know, he wants to quit the life, but you know can't because he has this you know mob guy that he's indebted to. Um, that's when he enlists the help of Mark uh, to help him get out of the situation. Um, this and also this episode, you have Debbie who is you know growing more and more suspicious of Nolan. Um, you see kind of how that relationship is. The more Nolan is training Mark and his you know you know about his responsibilities as a Vulturemite, um, that how you know kind of more kind of takes away the human side of him and kind of mm. dehumanizes him in a way. Debbie's kind of look at him, you know, when he you know when Mark's talking about helping the gangster. He's saying like, well, you know, should I do it? Should I not? And he's like, well, you know, this situation is kind of beneath you, man. I mean, you're, you know, this hero that's meant for bigger things, and you know, kind of throws Debbie off a lot. So it only adds kind of more to her growing suspicions, which is nice. Um, mm-hmm. And seeing her be just kind of more and more stressed, because uh, you see kind of like how they're drawing her, like how she kind of has these bags under her eyes a little bit. And, um, so I thought that was kind of a nice, you know, added kind of touch to the character, um, as you see. Um, also, you know, with this episode, um, you see kind of how the team, uh, the new kind of guardians that they have now, how they're trying to work together, mm-hmm. you know, how, you know, you know, how good they are. Um, the team. Spoiler. They ain't. Uh, <laughs> what? Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. They're not really that good. Yeah. Yeah. No, not at all. Um, yeah, they're not really that good. Um, as, you know, the older member of the team, you know, the guy who's in the suit, um, as he explains, like, he pulls up the fight in a nice, you know, kind of, you know, Iron Man-style 3D kind of graphic and shows him, like, well, you should have did this. You know, you should have, you know, used your power here, you know, gather the citizens, you know, do this. You should have did this. So, I and I like stuff like that when they break stuff down like that, kind of yeah. like a superhero conflict mm-hmm. like that. Like, really, I say, like, you know, we had a potential to save you know more people and you know now a dozen people are in the hospital because we messed up and he takes that stuff you know like a job very mm. very seriously mm-hmm. and how kind of some of these superheroes you know don't maybe take it as seriously or just see kind of like we just get you know in love with the praise of just like hey i did my job i stopped the bad guy that's it that was only my you know not to just save people so i thought that was a very nice interesting dynamic that they have mm. um also you know the growing responsibilities of being a superhero on mark is causing strain in his relationship um, you know, uh, the character's name that he's in a relationship with, uh, a character's name is... Oh, Amber. Amber. Amber, Amber voiced by Zazie Beats. Mm-hmm. Yeah, voiced by uh, Zazie Beats there. Um, and so things are very, very strange there. Uh, what did you guys think about the episode? Another great episode. Um... Um, I agree as well. I think it's the best episode since the pilot. Mm. Wow. Really? Mm. Okay. Yeah, mm. yeah. Cause I think it, I mean, it does a lot. Um, and it kind of, I love the story of Titan. Um, I loved getting to know his character and kind of seeing, having this morally gray 
sort of anti-hero or anti-villain i guess um <laughs> if you you know once you get to the ending <laughs> um, yes yes he he's uh because in stories like this it, uh typically they're more or less black and white and mm -hmm. with this you're kind of introducing the shades of gray because you have characters like mark who at their heart kind of are still learning the ropes of this and are still kind of seeing everything as black and white and he's a bad guy he's kind of got the voice of his father in his ear he's a criminal don't trust this dude fuck him mm -hmm. yeah and yeah, I mean, even like he, and he's kind of who... learning as he goes yeah oh my bad oh and you're kind of getting the sense of him uh of mark kind of learning the more or less learning the ropes of being what it takes to be a superhero it's just mm -hmm. really just the depictions of like balancing the heroics with his daily life there's even a very funny scene where he's like texting amber while a bad guy is like throwing shit at him <laughs> that was hilarious and at the <laughs> end of it he was just like come on man really really <laughs> <laughs> like you see i'm busy here <laughs> also also you may have to to uh stop uh, uh superhero brutality because uh that one dude did surrender <laughs> Yeah, no, I thought that was going to see that being the cold opening. I thought that was what was going to be the whole plot was just like him having to clear his name after, you know, very obviously the character surrendered <laughs> audibly on screen. And I am surprised that that did not make an uproar in uh, the social medias. Yeah, me too. I thought, yeah, when they recorded it and everything, playing it mm -hmm. back. Yeah, I thought, yeah, that was going to be got canceled Invincible. Yeah, no, yeah. unfortunately <laughs> for a character that we'll talk about later, that is not the same case. <laughs> oh. <laughs> but, you know, for Invincible, I guess, in their world, he can kind of get away with it. Because he's, like, breaking stuff, too. Like, every time. Yeah, every time he, he fights, <laughs> he breaks yeah, a building. That dude, that dude is leaving some collateral damage. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, you know, still very fresh into his powers and how to use them. Um, I mean, in this one, it shows that, I mean, he's really not that invincible. Because, uh, yeah. I mean, you know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, he, he's... Yeah, uh, the whole arc of this was him gaining confidence and using his powers and decided to test himself with the guy like Titan only to have that realization. Fuck, I still got a lot of shit to learn and he paid for it dearly. Yeah. Yeah, yeah not only uh, did he get sent to the hospital, but you know, he accidentally inadvertently helped uh, the next mob boss rise to power. <laughs> yeah, but, but I also think with Titan, it's another great here. He, He's a bad guy, but he's not a bad guy. Yeah, yeah. You've got to see that in that montage of him, you know, doing his work. He's, you know, giving money to the people in the apartment building that he burned down. It's like, yeah, there's a place here. Uh, he doesn't kill a guy because he sees he has a he has a kid. So two days. Yeah. yeah. Um, no, that that's, kinda... that's what makes him interesting, though, because he mm -hmm. does bad things for good reasons, I think, you know? Yeah. Um, that ending with the character of Titan kind of reminded me of the ending of like Luke Cage season two, a lot mm. where he kind of became you know the mob boss, and it made me kind of you know kind of think about that. I was like, man, I would have really loved to see a follow up on that, just to see what <laughs> Luke Cage would have done, you know, as being the new well, kind of mob boss of Harlem. We might see that here because <laughs> yeah, you know, Titan's pretty much the same character, aside yeah. from having like a family. <laughs> yeah, you know, so. Yeah, so it, it kind of really made me think about that a lot, um, mm. kind of seeing a follow up to that. But I, I guess I'll get it via the show, um, <laughs> you know, with that character. Um, so yeah, um, 
you know, I think, you know, this was another very solid episode. Really liking this show a lot. Uh, we have three more episodes uh, mm. left, uh, episode eight. Um, so do you guys think that she'll find out the secret, like the last episode, like both Debbie I, and Mark? I, I think the next episode, uh, uh, Debbie is going to find out. Or at least find the the smoking gun, which is uh, Omni Man's old costume, mm-hmm. with mm. like Guardian's blood all over it, and like the orgy of evidence that he did commit them. That he yeah, I think that's them. gonna be more so an overarching thing. I think it's, I think honestly, it'll probably happen in the penultimate episode. Mm-hmm. I can't. Yeah, because yeah, that's typical with that's typical with TV. Uh, the penultimate episode, it's kind of like. The big bombastic moment in the finale is kind of uh, the fallout mm. of it. Yeah. Mm. yeah, yeah. And um, how many issues is Invincible? It's a lot of issues. It's yeah. a long-running series. Really? Yeah. Uh, uh, long enough that uh, I think by the point in the comics that they that they get to, you kind of just get desensitized to all the violence, which. Thankfully, it hasn't happened with this show yet because it is mm. still shocking when it gets as brutal as it does. How many yeah. issues have we already gone through? Are we like a quarter into the story? Or. Uh, uh, I mean, you don't have to look that up right now. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Because, uh, yeah, like when the violence happens, because it just, it's still so shocking because it's just, it's the cartoon, you know, nature of the mm. look of it, you know what I mean? So when it even does happen, and they kind of they kind of pace it out kind of well because it's not all throughout the show it's not all throughout the episode it's kind of like in the moments where it has to be there that you kind of expect Mm -hmm. it like titan's going and and being a mob enforcer and beating people up and he shoots a guy and you know Mm -hmm. someone shoots him and it bounces off of him and goes through the skull and you see the brain hole there you know (laughs) and it's like yep okay yeah um and then when you know that you know he's facing off so against you know the other you know head mobster you know the head guy in charge jeffrey donovan's mm-hmm. character it's like yep you see the violence there when it's supposed to be there so and um, then the very next scene he's with his kids and we're in a totally different show <laughs> yeah. yeah so yeah you know so uh, yeah very solid episode liked it quite a bit uh, looking to looking definitely to see it um and it's something yeah. to look forward to um you know every friday just like you know falcon and the winter soldier which is a show we're going to talk about next. Um, so, um, in the episode of Falcon and the Winter Soldier, this one, uh, we see Zemo um, being Zemo. Um, and what that means is hmm. being very, very manipulative, very, you know, using you know some of his tricks and trades, things like that. You know, what we've seen before when he was in Civil War, mm-hmm. um, which is very nice. Um, and also Marvel did a good thing by releasing the Zemo cut. I mean, you know, that, that one hour dancing, you know, the moves he showed off, you know? Praise be the Zemo Tear- cut. Tearing yeah. up the dance floor like he tore up the Avengers. Yeah. <laughs> and he's I, about I, to I, the, the flag smashes. <laughs> uh, I mean, I could literally, I, I was like, man, I could watch this for a whole hour. I watched this shit just on loop. He's <laughs> on loop. <laughs> yeah, you know what I mean? They did it. I was like, because I was thinking of it when I first saw the gif of it, I was like, man, I could just watch this on loop. It's just, <laughs> it's just that great, you know what I mean? It's, it's, it's just amazing, you know. And uh, I think the funniest thing about the Zemo cut is that I've seen that guy in the club before, where he's <laughs> by himself, just like doing this thing, you know, just like you know, looking around for somebody to dance with. <laughs> <laughs> 
Uh, yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah, because you see, like, he's just there in the crowd, and mm-hmm. like, he's just there, and there's like a huge circle around him. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? He's not even like a part of a, a group of people. He's just there. He's just in the middle of it. You know, just moving. It's like okay, you know, and then like uh, <laughs> dancing the nice that nice techno. You know that that dance music, electronic music, just having a good time. Man. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean? did all right. Did anybody expect to like? I liked Zemo, but now mm. I love his character. I want more of him. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, they might do a Thunderbolts series with him. I mean, they might they might do that. Try to assemble that with him. You know, Marvel's own version of you know Suicide Squad. They might try to do that later down the line. That'd I mean, be fun. The fan reaction to him in this has been pretty good. Mm. Um, been pretty popular, so they might do something like that. Um, which yeah, I would I would definitely love to see. Yeah. Um, yeah, so <clears throat> you know uh, more more about this episode um, is that so you have Zemo, you have John Walker, Battlestar, uh, Falcon, you got Bucky. Um, they're all you know you know drawn closer, working together, try to get to the Flag Smashers, um, getting information. Um, and you know it doesn't help that you have the Wakandans uh, basically on Bucky's back to give back Zemo. <laughs> either you know give him back or put him back in prison hmm. um he's got that and you know ao basically just gave him eight hours you know he's got eight hours to do whatever you need to be done um and the episode opens up really nice i really like they mm-hmm. did a flashback to wakanda mm-hmm. um it showed ao how you know her and him kind of have this relationship i mean she's the one that kind of you see helped him overcome his his brainwashing um and he's you know he realizes he's finally free you know, it's it's a good performance from Sebastian Stan. Yeah, it, really. yeah, yeah, it, yeah. It, it's kind of vindication for him uh, because for a long time with the Avengers movies, he was kind of, you know, criticized for being kind of a one-note performance, which that was kind of the nature of that character he was playing. Yeah, and he's been shown that he's been talented in other in other projects, and here it's he's incredible. Yeah. Yeah. You know, when he just finally just breaks down and realizes, yeah, I'm finally free. And, you know, he always talks about, you know, Wakanda's being this place that just gave him that peace, that solace of, of being there. Um, and you see that. And, and you see that he even speaks Wakandan uh, <laughs> to a degree. Like, he even understands it and can speak it, you know. Um, how long, I guess, was he there a total of, I guess, maybe like a year or two? Mm, that's a good question, because he was snapped, so... Yeah, because uh, like he was so Civil War ended. Civil War came out when in twenty was it sixteen? Yeah, twenty sixteen, and they said Infinity War was what two years after? Two years after, so he's been mm. there. Yeah, so probably yeah, so like yeah, two years. Yeah, he's been there. Mm. Yeah, and even you know he learned to yeah speak Wakandan there you know learn to kind of their moves he has an alias there as we know you know she called him the, the white wolf you know so he's got his own special little alias name oh white panther <laughs> yeah um so yeah so you know he's you know he's definitely you know you know you know it wasn't just you know he wasn't just there you know he was there for quite a bit of time and definitely learned a little bit of the culture there and the way that things work there um you know so that's very nice um they're doing a wakanda tv series i wonder if he would be a part of that in any way or hmm. if, if what they're going to show in that series i wonder um because and i wonder how the t- wakanda tv series would work without showing black panther in it um or you know any of the other major kind of figures like shuri or angela hmm. bassett or maybe something like that or um i don't even know if um 
Diane Guerrero's character is going to be uh, Okoye. I don't even know if she's going to be in it. I don't. Hmm. Well, I mean, Wakanda is a country, so yeah. all they How have big- to do in terms of like um, the Kane standpoint, they just have to sort of imply that he had told them something or gave them some orders or whatever, mm. um, and then they can kind of work around that. Um, I guess, but how, yeah. how big is Wakanda supposed to be? Mm, I think it's supposed to be a, a nice size country. I guess I don't know. I don't think mm-hmm. it's as big as like saying like a America or whatever. But no, like I don't if think it's, it's based like, off of a I don't country, think it's like Texas size. Yeah, 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 yeah. But if it's based off of a country in Africa, most African countries are relatively big. Mm, so, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I mean, yeah, like we said, that was a really good opening scene, really good performance for Sebastian. Stan yeah, absolutely. And, you know, kind of his things. Um, and we see also in this episode how much just kind of hatred that Zemo has for just superpower people. And, yeah. You know, him talking about it, and you know, he says like, you know, just give people powers, and they just become supremacists. You know, you see mm. this character, the leader of the Flag Smashers. You know how she's escalating um, in her violence. And it's only you know a matter of time before she even gets you know even more dangerous than this, mm-hmm. um, and how things just kind of keep ratcheting up. Um, and I mean, I guess you can understand it from Zemo's perspective because of what happened to his family, and you know he saw what people with powers can do, and you know how that can really impact things. Um, and I mean, so I, is he wrong to to some degree? Because you know, to, to some degree, he's not wrong. Yeah yeah um well i mean because you have a conversation that battlestar and john walker are having together and they're mm-hmm. having the conversation of like hey would you take the serum and give him the opportunity mm-hmm. and he's like oh yeah you know battlestar is like oh yeah hell yeah of course i would you know what I mean? and it's kind of like i guess i made the kind of the analogy to money like money's only going to enhance who you already are as they say mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. and it's about the serum it's already going to increase who you are as a person steve rogers he was a good guy he got the serum it only made him more of a good guy. You know what I mean? That's it, it enhanced all the kind of things about his personality, about who he was. So, you know, him going through that of being a guy who was bullied, being a guy, mm. you know, who was, who was small in life and had the opportunity to, to not feel that way again, used it to help others, right? So, and even this girl who has the serum now, you, know, you can understand why she is doing what she's doing. I mean, she is coming from a place of, hey, like, I need this ability mm-hmm. in order to help people, protect people, give people food, shelter, you know, things like that. So Zemo's point, I mean, yeah, I mean, any anybody can do anything evil, you know, no matter what. It just depends, mm-hmm. I think, on the person themselves. You know? Yeah, yeah. And I think um, kind of what... Um... Falcon was trying to get at to Carly in their conversation was that they're like the problem with Carly is that she she's bringing innocent people involved into this in, into the conflict um and there's another way that you can go about this that's the main that's the main key um and I I see yeah, now with yeah, uh, that because that's Sam's whole point. Is like, yeah, I agree with you. Yeah. It's like, yeah, millions of people were displaced by the blip, especially the ones that didn't, that didn't, that didn't, that didn't leave. Mm-hmm. They, yeah, the borders of all the countries they fucking opened up after the blip, and everybody, you know, wanted help rebuilding, and then everyone comes back, people get fucked. <laughs> yeah. yeah, 
like, like you said, it was a situation where the whole world worked together. It wasn't just mm-hmm. one country. It wasn't just, you know, I mean, the whole world worked together. You know, open the borders. You know, people didn't care if you were Mexican or you know if you were Arab or if you were from any, you know wherever. It didn't matter. I was just like, Fuck. hey, we need bodies. You know, we need help. We, we need to be in jobs. Fuck, was Thanos right? <laughs> yeah, I, you know, I mean, I guess maybe. Uh, I mean, people say like uh, to a degree, maybe he was. You know what I mean? <laughs> you know, but also he could have also snapped for infinite resources. But you know, whatever. You know what I mean? Could also have done that. You know, but hey. he very much so could have. Yeah. Um, an- another you know kind of thing about this episode, you see John Walker, you see him kind of cracking under the stress. You know, the pressure mm. of trying to get these flag smashers. Um, and you know, you see the scene where you know they set up a meeting with Carly, and how he's kind of just pacing back and forth, how he's rubbing mm-hmm. his eyes, and he just kind of looks exhausted, he looks tired. Um, you know, he's just kind of he's just kind of done with the shit. You know what I mean? He just wants this over with. Mm-hmm. He wants results fast. Um, do you think the progression of this character, you know, especially at the end of this episode, do you think it's too fast, or do you think they they needed more episodes to kind of pace it out better? Uh, because this is the fifth episode, and we only have one more episode. That's the after. fourth. Oh, that's the fourth. fourth. So we only have two, two more. Two more. So, do you think it's kind of mm-hmm. rushed a little bit? Mm-hmm. I mean, I d- I don't think so because yeah. because we know what being Captain America means because we've seen Steve Rogers be it for so long, yeah. and we also know John Walker off the bat we know he's not the right guy for the job and we can kind of just like project that kind of pressure it would take on somebody and i will give credit to wyatt russell he's doing an amazing job yeah he's in in just that little small scene that conversation he has with uh with lamar you see where he is coming from he's a guy that did you know probably not so great things in the military and he chose captain america because it felt like the right thing to do mm-hmm. yeah. yeah no and I... you just and then his first time out as cap he's just been kind of beaten down by first super soldiers and then by the dora milaje yeah no i'd argue and he, that... and even with even with the milaje he doesn't have the excuse of they weren't even super soldiers <laughs> yeah no i'd argue ass. that he might be the the best uh developed character in this solo series because just the ride that you go on with him because he is still a likable guy he he, like i I, even even throughout this episode when he was annoying me i i couldn't hate him because i understood where he was coming from you know exactly even if you don't like the character you still understand yeah yeah and And you even understand why he later takes the serum Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I, I completely get it. Because, I mean, even even um, before he took it, like in the first episode he was introduced, I was just like, oh, he's just a regular soldier with a shield? <laughs> get fucked. <laughs> 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 yeah, no, he, he, ain't no, he ain't got no super uh, soldier serum. Um, and, you know, just to see that progression into, like, just breaking down his insecurities. Um until he's finally given the chance to all right am i going to destroy this thing or am i going to take it um nah i'm taking it (laughs) the world needs the the world needs a cap with superpowers (laughs) and 
Oh, uh, and just the discussion around taking the serum because you have Zemo mm. who asked, you know, Sam, like, would you take the serum? And he just was quickly like, no, I would, I would not take the serum. And then mm. you know, you see, you know, Zemo, he wouldn't take the serum because he just looks at it in disgust and he just throws <laughs> it down. You know what I mean? And he just steps on all. It's like, dude, dude could have, dude could have ended the whole flag smashers, but he just hates super soldiers so much he decides to just break all the serum. Yeah, you know what I mean. Um, and it was yeah, still I don't even know vial. why I even halfway expected him to take one of the vials. I should have known better. <laughs> yeah. Like know, I thought he was gonna go down the road of, all right, I'm gonna be the soul. I'm gonna be the last super soldier. I'm gonna kill them all with my own bare hands. <laughs> <laughs> but nah, that's yeah. Zemo. It disgusts yeah. him. <laughs> yeah, just the, the, the disgust on his face, looking at the vial and just throws it down. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, John Walker's character, he picks up the last vial. You know, he knocks him, you know, first of all, he knocks, you know, Zemo out with the shield, just quick, just <laughs> through the shield. He's good with the shield, though. I will admit, he's pretty good with it. <laughs> you know what I mean? Bouncing off stuff. And yeah, he just throws him, knocks him out with it. Now, if, this was, if this was invincible, he would have sliced his head off. He would slice like half <laughs> half his head off. You know what I mean? It would have killed him. <laughs> Yeah, well, I mean, if he had drank the serum uh, a little bit sooner, he might have he might have done it. Yeah, you know. So, uh, so you see, like he he just finally takes the serum. I I kind of don't remember what, why did Sam say he didn't he didn't want to take the serum again. I think I kind of forgot. I don't know if he said like a specific reason for it, but it was sort of just like a. I don't even know if he needed to give a reason. He was just kind of like, "Nah, I don't need it," you know? <laughs> yeah, because I don't think. Yeah, I don't think he gave a reason. I think he just said, "Nah." He just said it quick, and the demon was like, "Wow, no hesitation." That's pretty impressive. Mm. Yeah, you know what I mean? I don't know. Um, but uh, yeah, so um, so you have seen, you know, John Walker takes the vial, finally takes the serum, um, and this is kind of. I mean, you understand why he even takes the serum because this is, you know, like as we've been seeing throughout the series. Um, he's just been kind of made bitch made. I mean, throughout the whole series. I mean, even and it, and it just got even worse when he fought the door Malage. Um, and then mm -hmm. you know the, one of the door Malage members, like she does the, the cat trick when she kicks the shield and puts it on her, you know, puts it on her yeah. arm. And she just <laughs> she just kind of hands was... it back to him. Like, and that, wow. That was... And she looked better with the shield. That than he was did. <laughs> Like wow, bro. That was fucking. I just love that entire scene. It was like you could count to the second the moment he fucked up yeah yeah and, oh man just I mean, don't it, touch the door melage yeah. i don't um, know why that's so hard for people <laughs> <laughs> yeah i mean yeah it's like yeah do not do not put your hands on <laughs> and sam he's trying to warn him he's like listen man listen i'm telling you don't want to do this this ain't and just bucky being and just bucky being sassy Looking good, John. Yeah. <laughs> well, he's getting his ass kicked. Yeah, I mean, this and that whole thing is like the cherry on top is just like as soon as um, Sam and Bucky finally do get involved before you know Dora Milaje kill them, Zemo is <laughs> just kind of like sneaking on the way yes. out, just like <laughs> he gets like he gets like a drink or something, and he's on his way out. That was that was great. Dude's <laughs> sitting on the sidelines with popcorn. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Cause everybody's just kind of watching, you know, like at first Sam and Bucky's kind of watching, Zemo's watching, and then, you know, the Dormelage as they fight John, as they fight, you know, Lamar. Um, and of course they're winning. I mean, these are, you know, elite warriors. I mean, these are some mm. of the best warriors on the planet who don't have superpowers, you know? They so fought I mean, aliens. Yeah, you know what I mean? <laughs> like, these are some of the greatest warriors. I mean, you know, um, and you see like, you know, with the AO character, it gives her also a little bit more of development in this series because 
when she was talking with Bucky, you know, she explains like I was the you know honor guard of the protection of the king, you know, and I mean mm. the fact that he died, I mean that's a poor reflection on me. I didn't do my job, you know. I mean I I failed, you know, and to see Zemo still walking around, that just deeply angers me. I mean that mm. upsets me. Um, so I thought that was you know a nice addition you know to that character, giving her a little bit you know kind of more story with her. Yeah. Um, and when that fight happens, and finally when Sam and Bucky get involved. Um, I actually wondered, you know, what Ao said to Bucky when she was kind of when they fight and you know he she dismantles his arm, um, you know, and I actually put on subtitles for, her, but it turns out she was speaking Wakandan mm. um, because James looked, you know, he looked genuine hurt that you know she just took off his arm like you know like <laughs> he was Buzz Lightyear, you know what I mean? Like <laughs> you know she was like, what the fuck? How you? Th-? Um, you know, like what do you think that moment meant for Bucky and for her? Like what, what, what do you think? Uh, I mean, I don't, I don't, do you know what she said? No, I just said with the subtitles, I put it on and just uh, said, speaking I, Wakandan. I, That's all. I, I think I heard it was a bossed damn you. It was like, God damn you, Bucky. Uh, oh, okay. Hmm. Well, I mean, um, yeah. it's kind of just like, you're being disarmed by, I don't want to call, call her a love interest, but like somebody that was <laughs> deeply, uh, like deeply yeah. impacted your life you know and you're sort of it, disappointing them to some degree it's kind of i saw it more like kind of a, a betrayal of like trust from someone that you considered mm. a friend somebody that was there for you when you were at your lowest yeah yeah, yeah. and this yeah. is kind of her lowest you know to have mm. zemo just running around um yeah. is an insult to injury you know yeah yeah um and you know like the scene we just talked about with Dormelage taking out John Walker I mean he was just he was just kind of first of all they they he was stuck to the table most of the fight so he couldn't even really do shit yeah uh, cuz they 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 to the team. table Lamar was getting jumped by two oh of them <laughs> yeah he's you know, got clapped the, this entire series yeah and the way she just hands him his shield back is just like like wow you might as well just mm. cut his nuts off right there i mean Jesus. <laughs> might as well just neuter the guy I mean, oh my god <laughs> like <laughs> you know what i mean and just the, the way he says it with sadness and they, they weren't even super soldiers and i was, uh, being I was just oh and just going back to that next action set piece where they're like infiltrating that compound and at that point you still don't know if he took it yet yeah and just that slow build to that reveal it's just wonderful mm-hmm. yeah yeah, when he snaps he, the pipe in half and then we jumps out um trying even, to act even like his, that, his predecessor he, like, even before that when he like throws the shield and he misses and it just slams into that wall mm. yeah. i didn't even notice that that was because of the serum i thought that was just because mm. the shield is that sh- that hard <laughs> yeah um yeah. and like when he's fighting the flag smash member and he bends the pipe and the flag oh shit yeah um and you see you know he's taking it and you know when they finally you know have the big confrontation uh with the flash Masters, with uh 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 the leader and everything um and lamar dies you know and that is pretty much the final breaking point uh for mm. the john walker character and he just you know leaps out the window chases one of them down and just kills them brutally um, yeah. in the street with everybody watching you know what i mean in um, front of in front of what i think was the sokovia memorial mm, mm. wow oh wow that, and it, just that like that worked. shot <laughs> afterwards yeah. with the blood on the shield 
Yeah, I mean that was That's a nice powerful. ending shot too, where he's just got mm -hmm. blood on the shield, and you see the camera looking upwards towards mm -hmm. him. I mean that was well, that was a good shot. Yeah, um, that was some powerfully dark shit right there, my friend. Yeah. Um. So so I think you know we see we saw in the Falcon Winter Soldier trailer we see Bucky and Sam practicing with the shield. So maybe this is the the event that will the catalyst of the event that will you know the government goes like okay well maybe we should give it back to you. Mm -hmm. And maybe, you know, see what you can do with it. And maybe that's what Sam kind of goes like, okay, well, maybe I do need to take the shield. And then that's when you see him practicing with it mm -hmm. um, and everything like that. Um, so, you know, that moment, uh, I see a lot of people kind of going back and forth about it a little bit about whether he was right or whether he was wrong, John Walker. I mean, clearly he's in the wrong, but then some people yeah. kind of look at him as like, kind of like, well, I mean, you have to understand, I mean, what he did and everything. I mean, what did you guys think about that, that moment? I... Well, I think it was unnecessary because you have a character that is tied to the facts, Flag Smashers, and you kind of have the dude dead to rights. Mm. And and yeah. it's like kind of harkening back to images of like police brutality that we saw in the last year with just him, that 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 one Flag Smasher helpless, surrendering, and he's still hitting him. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I mean, especially on camera and full view of the public. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, I think the way that they handled John Walker, especially in this episode, was really good. Um, just the, the he, he whole... went he went from being my most hated character on the show to being the most interesting one. Yeah, yeah, because I mean, they hinted at what he may have done in the past, um, especially because they mentioned Afghanistan, which you know, if you know, you know mm -hmm. that war was shady. Um, <laughs> um but it's just really interesting to see him crack during the the carly talk um and then also to have his biases reconfirmed with the death of uh lamar or whatever his name was um mm -hmm. his friend um because that you know that really set him down this dark path i wonder so you said that they might give the shield back to Sam and Bucky, but I'm wondering if if uh, if uh, John is willing to even give it back. You know what I'm saying? I think he's. Yeah. I, yeah, I think John, it, this is kind of like him setting up him being set up to be a secondary villain in this show. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, because you have kind of like the you kind of have the bigger conflict with uh, Carly Morgenthau and the Flag Smashers. Then you have the more personal one with uh, with uh, John Walker. Mm -hmm. And I think that, uh, I mean, it'll probably have to be Falcon to take him down. Um, mm -hmm. I mean, wouldn't the government just go like, okay, well, we're just going to put you in jail? You think he's going to go on the run? Well, I don't know. I don't know. I don't, I don't know the logistics behind it, but I do know that because they gave him the super soldier serum, I can't just... I don't expect them to just give him the serum and then him to do nothing afterwards. You know what I'm saying? Like, mm. I, I feel like he's still gonna try to be Cap, especially now with the serum. Mm. Okay. Um, how much uh, stock do you all put into the whole Sharon Carter power broker thing? Uh, very Not little. Not even a little. <laughs> okay. Wow. Not even a little. I, I I learned my fucking lesson from WandaVision. Facts. Mm. Facts. Don't you nerds don't overthink this. Yeah. <laughs> it's yeah. if it's probably the most obvious answer or probably just another um 
I mean, it, it'll probably be just like a character that they introduce that will maybe play a role later down the line. A character that a character to be introduced to to delve more into in other Marvel shows, like mm -hmm. potentially see that character in Hawkeye, potentially mm -hmm. see that in that play factor in stuff like Shang Chi. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 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 Just kind of have while gonna... you're dealing with the more cosmic multiversal stuff with like mm -hmm. the Eternals and Doctor Strange, you have more of a ground level villain for stuff like this. So, yeah. Shang Chi, Hawkeye. Yeah. 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 Like I'm not gonna subscribe to the whole Sharon Carter theory either. I because I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I mean, I it's kind of interesting, right. but like you said, I don't. Want, it's the new Mephisto of this series. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's the new, it's the new yeah. thing. You know what I mean? Like, fuck it fuck it. john walker is the power broker yeah you know what I mean? like, everybody's the power broker yeah you know you you know what just came to mind like if if they even showed like even the slightest bit of the power broker wearing a mask i could hear nerds saying is it dr doom oh yeah <laughs> oh my god oh my fucking god yeah like no it's no, not watch it's, it be that watch it be that watch it be the fucking dude from the smithsonian in the first episode <laughs> watch it be that motherfucker yeah yeah so settle your expectations these shows are not going to go as bonkers as you think they are but i still think what the shows are doing is great with for the characters mm. you know yeah yeah, they, they, they brought back, you know, Sam's first introduction of how he was a counselor, you know what I mean? Mm. You know, treating military veterans, which was, you know, his first introduction to one of the soldiers. So I thought that was very nice. They brought that yeah. you know, story, you know, kind of element back with that character. Um, it's like, hey, look, I got experience with this. I'm going to talk her down. I got experience. You know, this is what I do. So I thought that was very good that they brought that back. And um, so uh, um, I guess one last thing about the series. Where do you see the relationship of Sam and Buffy going after the series? Because it seems like you know these guys i mean it's fun to watch their banter back and forth mm -hmm. but it just doesn't seem like they really have that much in common to be friends it just seems like the only thing they mm -hmm. have in common is like we were both friends with the same guy mm -hmm. so you know where do you uh what do you think the relationship between the two of them will go potentially it'll probably still be like just like this where their partners they have to team up on certain missions you know they're not going to be buddy buddy yeah. hanging out like the avengers used to it's going to be more so just yeah I, I, yeah I, <laughs> I don't ever see Sam and Bucky really becoming like friends. I see it more just occasionally they'll partner up whenever like they whenever someone needs help. Yeah. I, I think that'll be more or less their relationship. Sam is gonna become full on Captain America and Bucky is gonna be around to help out when he needs it. Yeah, yeah. He's he's that coworker that uh, they're they're coworkers that can't stand <laughs> each other, but he's they have to work on work. the same project, you know? Yeah. Cause it would be a Bucky was quick when John said, "Oh, you and your partner." He's like, "He's not my partner." Hold on, relax. You know what I mean? <laughs> I mean, yeah, we. I mean, we're living together right now, but it's nothing like serious, serious right now. <laughs> you know what I mean? You know, it's nothing right now. You know. Uh, but yeah, um, yeah, very good episode. Um, you know, very solid. I think it's been a good series so far. Two more episodes left. Two more episodes left, and uh, after that, still got Invincible. Uh, after that, um, still, still got a couple more weeks of Invincible than Loki. Mm -hmm. Yep, then Loki. yep. But Loki's coming all the way in June, though. So. Yeah. Oh, really? Yeah, June 11th. So that's a little ways away. Yeah. Well, we got some um, movies in between yeah. then. Some we good got movies. a lot of movies. Yeah, a lot of movies. A lot of movies going to come out. Um, so, all right, we're done with that. Uh, done with the show. Uh, everybody, hope you enjoyed. Hope you enjoyed listening to it. 
Um, of course, you can always uh, check us out on YouTube, uh, YouTube, The Afternoon Tune. Uh, if you want to check us out on social media, well, on social media at twitter.com slash the afternoon tune or Instagram slash the afternoon tune. If you want to send us an email uh, with any comments, questions, concerns, send us one at the afternoon tune at gmail.com. We also have a Facebook page at facebook.com slash the afternoon tune. Um, and we're also wherever you listen to podcasts like Spotify, like Apple Podcasts. You know, leaving good reviews on Apple Podcasts do a lot for us. You know, those good reviews uh, let us know, you know, five stars really helps a lot um and you know of course on youtube like subscribe comment do all that good fun stuff uh chase where can people find you you can find me at mr chase back um on twitter twitch and instagram uh m-r-c-h-a-y-s-e-m-a-c where can they find you nick uh, you can find me twitter instagram twitch at night and day nick oh you're starting to twitch and yeah just a little something Okay. Just a little right. something. All right. Okay. I'm about to throw you a follow. Yeah. Is, is, is the Twitch going to be like, you know, you and Bubbles and you trying out <laughs> Bubbles or something like that? Or playing games together? No, it's probably just going to be me talking shit. <laughs> uh, talking shit. Okay. Well, come to, come to mean, uh, Chase's Twitch. I do that all the time in the chat. Um, <laughs> there, just talk shit. <laughs> I mean, that's all Twitch do. really is. It's just you talking, running your mouth for like two hours while games in the background. <laughs> yeah, you know what I mean? He, uh, Chase, the stream, you streamed what, yesterday? A couple days? Yeah, I streamed yesterday. Yesterday, yeah, playing, still playing at Persona Five, boy. Still Forever, playing. it is <laughs> eternal. Yeah. yeah, still playing that. Um, I did a little streaming. Uh, did stream with a pro player, pro MK player, pro pro player. Okay, these guys want to make fun of me for losing. It was a yeah, pro MK. This man has been getting clapped on live. Uh, <laughs> you know what I mean. They weren't even super soldiers. <laughs> no, this person was a super soldier. This person was like the super soldier of the game. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? Like, what am I supposed to do? This person, you know, is one of the best players in MK11. So he's watching me. I was playing a little bit of that, playing with video games, yo. And I um, keep trying to tell him, like, look, you getting clapped in Mortal Kombat is not going to prepare you for getting clapped in Smash Brothers. Let's just... The games are not the same. <laughs> you're not going. You're not going to beat me in Smash Bros. ever again. You're not going to. Oh, okay. Ever again. Also, pretty See, sure. Pretty sure again. getting beat up in Mortal. Pretty sure getting clapped in Mortal Kombat is not effective research for the Mortal Kombat movie. <laughs> yeah. it's, it's teaching me about the characters, about the lore, everything like that. Um, so, to all you people out there, hope you enjoy listening. Hope you had a great time, and don't forget to always stay, stay tuned. tuned. <laughs>